the dress right? up. You carry the dress inside you. I do. Right? I don't carry the dress inside so me. So you just I moved your mouth like, like, a, like a ventriloquist dummy with a dress. Exactly. Okay. Of course I do. <laughs> Good morning. Oh boy, listen to that fucking voice. Welcome to G Money and Wustein. 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 Fuck it. Paralegal Jeff. And uh, we're doing all right today. Um, it is Sunday the 8th, 9th. Fuck it. Let's say it's the 9th of uh, December. Happy holidays, everybody. Sorry if my throat's a little scratchy today. It's just. Um, been a weird week uh what else was i gonna say oh um <laughs> i believe uh paralegal jeff's out on assignment right now he may be in a little later today i haven't heard anything from him so um you know we're probably gonna do the thing i normally do when i don't have um my co-buddy we're just gonna sit here and find a really cool old radio track or maybe i'll find a couple of cool weird um i don't know something <laughs> and play it on there for you but um excuse me first i just wanted to mention something that happened to me last week or fuck last week two days ago two days ago yeah that would be friday so I'm normally running the boards. I think I mentioned this before on the uh, happy hour show. You'll hear me occasionally introduce the show. And uh, once in a while, because we have rotating hosts, sometimes they'll chit-chat with me for half a second. But, um, you know, I'm playing the music, letting people on and off. Whole show went cool. Ian Levy was the host. Everything was really fun. And um, the weirdest thing happened to me, Blake. I have never in my life... Um, had what they call a seizure, <laughs> but I had one after the show, I was just waiting like for the next host to show up or the next soundboard guy to show up. And I guess <laughs> all I know is I woke up in the, uh, in the back of an ambulance with a thing on my neck and like, <laughs> looks like I was keeping the fucking show started a little bit late and I just kind of felt like shit. But one of the really weird things that had happened because of it, like, cause I smoke cigarettes, my goddamn, my lungs, like, I guess I shook so much, like all the crap in my lungs just kind of like showed up and I've just been like, the last two fucking days. Oh, and luckily my, um, my hair is, I haven't been cutting my hair for a little while, so it's kind of long. So when I, um, I guess when I hit the deck, you know, like I hit the back of my head or whatever, but it didn't leave too bad of a bump because I have like a, like an inch thick pad of hair to help uh, pad that out. So that was kind of cool. That worked out. <laughs> anyway, this sounds like a great fucking name for something like that. We're going to check out um bloodbath on the uh escape show in just one second i'm just gonna uh delay with the music for a second but yeah isn't that a crazy fucking day like i've never in my life i, I still don't even know what it really feels like because all i did was go to sleep and wake up i don't even know like what set it off or what the fuck happened so 
It was really, it was kind of scary coming back home, you know, because like it since it's never happened before, and I didn't know what's, and I don't know what set it up. I didn't know if it would happen again, like that fucking night. It, here's the thing: I don't know if it happens every fucking night, you know, because I live by myself. So who knows? But like the side of my tongue was all scratched up. Oh, he had to glue the side of my eye. Holy shit! This fucking water that they use is like, <laughs> I just put it this way. I know I could never withstand torture. Okay, he did it for a total, I think, of twenty seconds, and I wanted to jump out of all of my skin <laughs> in my body so bad. But um, oh god, then he just glued it up, and I talked to the um. They want to do all these extra fucking scans, and it was so late, and I was like, dude. I'm fine. Like, I answered all these questions to these neurologists, and I told them, like, yeah, I'll check with my primary physician on Monday. And because they already ran the fucking blood test, and the, I took a, I had to pee so bad. And they were like, hey, we need to, I didn't even have to pee until they mentioned I was going to have to take a pee test. So then I'm just standing there, like, oh my, I was sitting, laying there, oh, like a fucking bug on my back, just like I can't move. I got this goddamn thing in my hand. And, um, oh, by the way, Oh, anyway, and like, so I'm just laying there, and I was like, dude, I gotta go pee, and this one lady comes in, and I was like, look, uh, I don't know, somebody asked me for like a, a pee test, and uh, I don't know when it's gonna go, but I gotta go now, and so she was like, cool, she gives me one of those big, um, I don't even know what they kind of look like, they're kind of like, <clears throat> like water bottles with handles or some shit like that, like a really small gallon jug of milk, <laughs> That's what kind of really what it's like with like a like a Gatorade mouth, and I just <laughs> I got on my knees and twisted all these fucking cords around and shit, and just she closed the curtain. I put my back to that motherfucker and just went, and I was like, oh sweet relief. And like, look, here's the weird thing: Friday I didn't do any drinking, I didn't do any smoking. All I did was just sit and watch the show like a like a good boy. That's the worst part. That was the scariest part. It's like, I didn't even do anything. Like, I literally just sat here, drank water. I think I had, like, a Canada Dry. And, like, that was it. Because my man up the street's not carrying that San Pellegrino no more. Boo. But, um, yeah. Isn't that bananas, though? What the fuck? Oh, man. But, yeah, what was I going to... Oh, that was the other thing. When I woke up in the ambulance, this fucking guy's trying to put a damn needle in my arm. And it's just like, dude, like... <laughs> it's hard to tell these guys, hey, guys, I used to do this, and it's going to be a lot harder than you think. <laughs> right? And, boy, oh, boy, did they did they stab both fucking arms. They finally were just like, just, just, like, just give me the back of your hand. Like, I got any fucking control over my veins, you asshole. But I'm like, all right, man. So I was like, I just gave him my hand. And he put that thing in and just squeezed the skin. So, like, the whole fucking time I'm sitting here with this bunch of skin, like, uh, like a sewing needle through it. You know, like, what the fuck? And um, it was just, like, between two layers of fabric. It's just bunched up. It's taped together. It's all taped down. Like, if I don't get the fuck out of this. Like, and then, oh my God. And then walking home was such a bummer, right? Fucking ruined my favorite shirt with blood from the corner of my eye. And then, um, I mean, it ain't ruined, I guess. Like, it, it, you can get blood stains out, but uh, come on, man. That fucking thing needs to be retired anyway. But man, what a fucking night. Anyway, 
Let's play some more music. I'll get that fucking bloodbath going. Be back in a second. Those days are over. You don't have to show your body to the night. Happens to him makes no difference to me. I wish he was dead. 
He tried to steal Toby from me. No, ain't that a pretty thing to say? Ain't you a charge? I'm sorry I caused her any trouble. All I want is one favor, please. Go to the inspector, go to somebody, go to anybody and tell them I've got to see Toby. I've got to see Toby. <laughs> He's raising a devil of a row down in the cells. Keeps yelling he wants his dummy brought back to him. I see. Well, if letting Tompkins have the dummy will keep him quiet, perhaps we can arrange it. Oh, good heaven, sir. Is that him there? In the chair? Huh? Oh, yes, that's Toby. How oh, Sits up in the chair real lifelike, don't he, Inspector? Amazing, ain't it? It's fantastic that a man could be attached to such a thing. Queer how Tompkins keeps saying that. Uh, if you want to know why he shot Laswell, ask the dummy. <laughs> He's an odd one, all right. Imagine asking anything from the likes of this. Such a blank, idiotic little face he's got. <laughs> so you're Toby, are you? So it's you that's responsible for all the trouble I'm having with your master today. Poor Mr. Tompkins. If I wasn't a mild man, I'd change that smelly smirk on your face. I'd give you a real sad look, I would. With All my... right, now hold on there. Do you think that stick of wood will answer you? Eh? Oh, you know very well only a ventriloquist can make a dummy talk. Well, sorry, sir. I guess I did look a bit foolish. Yes, yeah, so before we all do, we'd better get to the bottom of this. God, bring Tompkins up here. Time we had a little talk. <laughs> If I promise that Toby will soon be returned to you, will you cooperate with me? Toby? Is he here? Is he near me, here? Yes. But you can't see him yet. But I must see him, in fact. You will, but not before I have certain facts. Certain facts? About your quarrel with Mel Laswell. Now, if you tell me the whole story, I may be able to help you. Help me? Why? Why should the police help me? Because it's part of my job. Yes, but you've done your job. I've admitted I shot Laswell. I did it. What else matters? Your motive. He tried to steal Toby from me. Isn't that motive enough? Tompkins, I really can't understand you. Understand? Of course you can't understand. I wouldn't expect you to. You've never spent years, endless years, playing shoddy, cheap music halls, starving out at the elbow because you couldn't find a partner who understood you. You never toiled day and night for weeks on end, creating somebody like Toby who could go to the big time with you. Oh, Toby can tell you what it's been like, all right. Unfortunately, Tompkins, Toby has shown no inclination to speak to me as yet. <laughs> Toby would appreciate that, exactly. Yes, indeed he would. What have you done with him? You must see him soon enough, I promise you. But first, I want to know what makes you think Mel Laswell tried to steal Toby. Oh, I, I was aware of Laswell's intentions right from the start, Inspector. Even before I met him, I had a premonition that something, somebody he might separate me from Toby. I couldn't stand that. I'm as much to him as he to me. I see. When I met Laswell at the club that night, I realized almost at once that he might be the one to cause the trouble. I thought you'd seen That's what you know, the sort he is. Regular troublemaker. Yes, Tompkins, I've seen him. Now come to the point. <laughs> well, as I 
intimated before. Toby and I have been playing all the better music halls in the last few years. Top billing, you know. And then we got our engagement at the Kit Kat, West End nightclub. That's about as high as Toby and I, or any act for that matter, can go. We were standing backstage, waiting for the dark act to finish their turn. It's only a standard act, not particularly hard for us to follow. And then Bigelow, the master of ceremonies, came along. Dad, see you ready to go, Tomkin. You're on as soon as they finish the wall. We know our act, Mr. Bigelow. Well, just so you know yours as well. Not so big. Well, I don't want them to forget to take the chair out tonight. I have the chair right here. Now, don't worry. It won't happen like it did last night. And do us the favor of getting off the floor when you've introduced us. You messed up the whole first part of our act standing behind us. Here now. Now, don't say that. After all, it was your opening night, and how was I to know your act? You did it deliberately. You were trying to cut in on our laughs. Now, look here. I don't have to take this kind of stuff. What? Toby, that was not at all professional. Mr. Bigelow, I apologize, and Toby doesn't seem to have the grace to do it. Very well, I accept it. Eh? Well, oh, well now, what do you think of that? Husband, you take me in Tompkins. Do you think I don't get to thinking that dummy is a living thing? Bigelow is a terrible ass, isn't he, Tompkins? <laughs> By Joe, it's remarkable. Tremendously real, you know, the illusion. Oh, right. Oh, by the way, you'll want to be particularly good this evening. You have a rival out there. Mm-hmm. Who? Laswell. Mel Laswell, the American. The ventriloquist from the state. Laswell? Oh, don't tell me you haven't heard him on the wireless. Here, look. Have a look. Uh, uh, he's, he's at the front table over to the left. Oh, yes. Yes, I've seen him. And who's the gorgeous young lady? His wife. He's awfully good. World's greatest ventriloquist, I've heard say. I like her. <laughs> don't you recognize Petters and Big Bigelow? He may be the best, and again, he may not be the best. And you're pretty jealous, aren't you, Tompkins? I'm nothing of the sort. In fact, you feel more uncomfortable than ever tonight, working in front of a real artist. Now, see here, Toby. But if you do, I'll carry you along. You'll carry me. Now, have you know, I carry this. Uh, uh, please, this. please, both of you. Stay out of this, fat mouth. Now, see here, joke's a joke, but when you use George, you took me up the road again, Tompkins. I thought you and this wooden nymph were rowing. <laughs> As though he were human. <laughs> Imagine me thinking he's actually human. Stop clattering, Rubber. Let's get out there and bring us on. Yes, yes, of course. And don't forget the chair. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, here it is. Look, I'm going to introduce Laswell before I bring you off. Must you? And now, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, visiting royalty, <laughs> before I present to you our next little feature, I'd like to call on a distinguished variety artist who is here tonight. You've all heard him on the American Wireless and seen him in the American cinema. Mel Laswell. I ask Mel Laswell to stand up and enjoy that well-known six-pack hospitality. I'm sure that beautiful woman he's with is a much happier bird on his knee than Miguel Tool, whom you've seen so many times. <laughs> Stand up, Melvin Lambert! <laughs> and now, now I want to bring on an act the like of which Mr. Laswell has never seen. Our own British ventriloquist, Eric Thompson, and his talking timber, Toby! <laughs> Good morning, good morning. Hey, Thompson, go 
Maybe I'm at morning, sir. How come, Toby? Well, that man over there looks like the steward officer. Why, that shouldn't bother you, Toby. You've been a very good boy, haven't you? Why, yes, but I'm out of school. Out of school? Why? Appendicitis. Out of school because you have appendicitis? No, not because I have it, but because I couldn't spell it. <laughs> I said I saw a very strange thing the other day. All right, you saw a very strange thing the other day. I don't blame the dummy for being embarrassed. Oh, my Laswell had taken more than casual notice of Toby. 
I could have forgiven him for his interference on the floor of a club. That might have been mere professional discourtesy. But there was something else in Lazarus' attitude that made me fear the man. It was his personal interest in Toby. Now, he wanted to separate us. I became certain of this later when he came back to my dressing room pretending friendliness. Anyone in there? Who is it? Mel Rathwell, Tompkins. Mr. Lassen. Well, oh, well, how do you do? Uh, you mind if we come in for a moment? All right. Please do. Uh, this is my wife, Mrs. Tompkins. Mrs. Lassen. Mr. Tompkins. Won't you sit down? Throw those dressing gowns on the floor. Thank you. Well, so this is your boy. Nice carving job. <laughs> I'm very handsome. <laughs> Don't you think so, Mrs. Laswell? <laughs> well, you certainly are, Toby. Tompkins, I've been curious to know who made him for you. Don't put your hands on him. Oh, well, I prefer so. that you left Toby alone. Well, certainly you needn't worry. I'm quite handy with dummies myself. You certainly surprised me with that little act out front. Your own part in it surprised me, Mr. Laswell. Oh, believe me, Tompkins, I never intended anything. You'll see, Mr. Laswell, Tompkins' attitude requires some sympathy. He's quite aware he's not our equal. Keep quiet, Toby. Tompkins, how far does this gag go? That depends on you, Mr. Laswell, and on just why you came to my dressing room. Oh, only professional courtesy. You've come to make some sort of a bargain for Toby. I am not going to permit it. Now, wait, Mr. Tompkins. I will not permit it. Wait, Tompkins. I will not permit it. Whatever the Laswells have to say to me is my affair. You might even pretend you're a gentleman and make a grateful voice. Toby, if you're trying to make me look ridiculous... I'm succeeding. Yes, I know. Now go on over behind the screen and get your makeup off. Very well, Toby. But I warn you... Stay dead! Uh, pay no attention to him, Mrs. Laswell. I don't. Well, I don't understand. This fellow's amazing. Not at all. He's stupid, really. Constantly interfering in my affairs. Uh, Mrs. Laswell, now that we're alone, may I tell you something? Something I'm sure you've heard before. What is it, Toby? That you're very beautiful. That I'm very fond of you, Mrs. Laswell. Oh, now, look here. And whatever Tompkins thinks, Mrs. Laswell, you're really a very nice woman. Well, I'll be... No, no, I don't like this. Tompkins. Yes? Come out here. Well... What is it? How far do you want to carry a joke? A joke? Either you apologize to Mrs. Laswell apologize right now. For what? For the last crack you just made through Toby. Did I? Listen, you... Really, Mr. Laswell, I don't know what you're talking about. Mel, darling, let's get out of here. You're not going to leave me, are you, Mr. Laswell? Please don't. You're an awfully funny fellow, Tompkins. Don't blame me for all this. Take me with you, Mr. Laswell. I just want to be near her. If you're afraid I'll make love to her, you needn't worry. I wouldn't. Tompkins, this is the most disgraceful demonstration I've ever heard. What can I do about him? Mel, please, come on. I love her. I'll do anything if you'll just let me go with you, Mr. Laswell. Anything. All right, Tompkins, you ask for it. Oh, no, Mel, don't get it. Don't get it. Oh, oh Mel. Why did you do it? The man's not natural. What's going on? I don't know what's eating that fellow. Ribs are rib, but he doesn't know where to stop. I guess he got the last laugh on me, making me lose my temper. Well, yeah, he doesn't seem to be doing much laughing. He, uh, he's all right. He's a bit done in. Can't say he didn't have it coming, though. Oh, darling, I'm glad he didn't break the dummy when he fell. <laughs> 
anything you do care what happens to me. I love you, Mrs. Laswell. So you see, Inspector, I should have known then that I couldn't prevent Laswell getting Toby. I knew they'd be plotting with two of them. I see. One question, Mr. Tompkins. Yes. Would you say that Mrs. Laswell is an exceptionally attractive woman? To some men, perhaps. And since we know that you think and speak through the dummy, isn't it just possible that you may yourself find Mrs. Laswell uh, appealing? Oh, what is this rubbish you're talking? Are you interested in learning the truth of what happened, or are you, are you, are you trying to muddle me up? I'd like to hear the matter out, Mr. Tompkins. As you well know, I was sacked by the Kit Kat on the spot. I hardly spoke to Toby all the way home. I wanted to impress upon him the misfortune he'd caused us. But at first, I hoped that Toby's attention to Mrs. Laswell had embarrassed them both so much that Laswell would no longer feel any interest in him. But in my heart, I knew the Laswells hadn't finished, but at that very moment, they must have been plotting. Plotting their next move to get Toby away from me. <laughs> I'll tell you what that next move was. In our hotel, I carefully turned the key in the lock. Toby and I were secured for the night. I put him in his own little bed and then made ready for bed myself. As I moved around the room, his eyes followed me, scornfully. Then I thought of the revolver in my bag. I took it up. With the revolver in my right hand and the key in my left, I lay down on the bed. I don't know for how long. Suddenly I was awake, my eyes staring. Toby was gone. What is it? Laswell, I want to talk to you. Yeah, be careful. It's Tompkins. The door is locked. Where is Toby? Get out, Tompkins. Now come to Toby. Where is he? You've stolen Toby from me and I want him back. I don't know what you're talking about, but if you're referring to your dummy, I haven't seen him. Now, now, get out. Uh, oh. What's wrong, dear? Oh, on the floor. On the floor at the foot of my bed. Toby. Toby, there you are. I found you. Oh, my poor little Toby, you've been kidnapped. Look, Tompkins, I don't know how your dummy got here. Toby. Toby, speak to me. Wake up, Toby. Look, man, look. look how he's okay. shaking that awful thing. He's always trying to waken. <laughs> oh, you're not deceiving me, Toby. You know very well I'm here. Go away and leave me alone. I'm through with you, Tompkins. Oh. Oh. Yes, Take it easy, Claudia. We've had all we can take of this, Tompkins. Are you going to deny you stole Toby from me? I certainly am. Look here, man. You're mad. You're ill. Ill? Am I? You took Toby from me and you say I'm ill. I didn't take Toby. You brought the dummy here. You must have brought it here. Or maybe while you were walking in your sleep, but you brought it here. I'm going to prove it. Stay away from the phone. No, he has to You can shoot if you like. But I'm going to prove to you that... Hello. Hello, give me the death clerk, please. Tompkins, I won't go with you. I'm going to stay with her forever. If Mr. Laswell will let me. Clerk, this is Mr. Laswell in 722. I want to know if someone came to my room a few hours ago. Is this some sort of trick? A man came, you say, and he was carrying a ventriloquist dummy. Mm. You let him come up. Did you hear that, Tompkins? Uh, I'm not deceived by this. Will you describe the man for me, please? Oh, no, you're a devil, Laswell. You stole Toby from me, now you're trying to drive me mad. Well, here, take the phone. No, no, I won't let 
shot Laswell, Inspector, but I, I believe that provocation was ample. I dare say you would agree. After all, Laswell turned a friend against me. An old and a very valued friend. Remind me very much. Tompkins, in due time, I may ask you to sign a formal confession on the basis of the story you just told me. No objection. I'll sign it. Well, by the way, Inspector, I wonder if now you might let me see Toby again. Uh, I'd like to oblige you, but... It's only for a short while, sir. I, I, I felt rather badly about not seeing him, especially after our trouble. And if you're given a little time together, perhaps Toby and I could straighten out our affairs. Well, if you like, I think I can manage with... Perhaps uh, have him brought down to your cell. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing Toby again. I am indeed. And that's the story Tompkins told us to me, Mr. Laswell. Then it's incredible. I, well, I had some idea what was going on in the fellow's mind, but, but that is... Mel, I'm so sorry for it. Uh, just one question, Mr. Laswell. You'll pardon my asking. Yes? Did you have anything to do with what's happened to the Kit Kat? I mean, you didn't project your voice through Toby. Certainly not. Uh, so I thought. This business has me baffled. If I thought Tompkins might be more dangerous than he's already proved. Well, I'm afraid there is that possibility, Inspector. Huh? It may be that Tompkins has become so accustomed to thinking as two persons that the personalities have actually become divided. Is that possible? For one man to have two separate and distinct personalities? Yes, that's not rare. Well, I'll admit I've I've never heard of anything exactly like this business. What will happen to him now? It's a battle that Tompkins will have to fight out within himself. As long as he's in that cell without the dummy, he may learn to think for himself as himself again. Good heavens, man. Look here, I permitted that dummy to be taken to the Tompkins in his cell. You what? Tompkins was so keen on having a dummy with well, him that do I... Do you think that will harm him? Well, I don't know, but... Uh, Inspector, All right, here I am. Uh, it's that Tompkins, sir. Sharon knows something awful in this cell. What's happened? We put the big doll in with him, like you said, sir, and right off he began arguing with it. Carrying on a fight. Real love, like... It's just like two people want to eat each other. Well, Aswell, you were right. Come on, we'd better get to them before it's too late. <laughs> well, all I can say is I knew you'd wind up this way sometime. Put away for keeps a jailbird. Oh, Toby, I can't stand you having you talk to me that way. How can you be so ungrateful? I made you everything you are. Ha! You made me, did you? You were the smallest of the small till I teamed with you. Have you forgotten that once you were an empty, lifeless stick of wood? Oh, come off it, Tompkins. You're a regular slush pot of sentimentality. Please, please be a little kind to me. Get away from me. I can't stand the beggar. Why should I have anything to do with you? You've never done anything right. You couldn't even kill us. Oh, shut up, Toby. Shut up. Don't torture me. I wish you had killed him. Then his wife would belong to me. I could be with her forever. Oh, you fool. Don't you know that's impossible? You're just saying that you're jealous because I love her. Oh, no, I can't stand it. You're a, you're a monster. I've got to get rid of you. I've got to kill you. Destroy you. Tompkins, take your hands off me. I'm through with you. Take your hands off. No. No. Kill you, you vulgar little swine. Ah, 
So talk back to me, you little monster. Now tell me I failed in everything. I smashed your face. You gotta kill me, Duncan. <gasps> no matter how you try, you can't kill me. Come down. <laughs> I guess we'd better see what we can do for the poor devil. He made a pile of kindling out of his dummy, didn't he? Oh, Mel, what will it do to him when he sees what he's done to Toby? How is he, Inspector? He's coming around all right. Tompkins. Tompkins, come out of it, fellow. Everything's going to be all right. He's reviving. He's opening his eyes. Come on, now I'll help you sit up. There's a fellow. Uh, feeling a little better now, aren't we? Mr. Dorff. He's looking around for the dummy. Here we are, Tompkins. I guess this is what you're looking for. Your tummy's broken up a bit, but he'll be all right. <laughs> he said he'd kill me, but I told him he couldn't. I killed him. Isn't that wonderful, Mrs. Lazarus? Tompkins is dead. Now we can be together forever, the three of us. You want me, don't you, Mrs. Laswell? You've got to want me because I think you're beautiful. And I love you and I'll be your slave always and Last 30 minutes, CBS has presented Out of This World, bringing you Charles Gussman's adaptation of the motion picture Dead of Night. Barry Kroger was featured as Tompkins and Art Carney as Toby. Original music by Albert Berman. Out of This World is directed by John Moseman for CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. assignment today so it's gonna be you and me sorry about this stupid voice 
Um, what's good for Christmas? It's not fucking Christmas yet. Uh, what was it? Blood Bath we played first. Hmm. Let's try, uh... Boy, there's a lot of good ones. Boy, that sounds cool. How about we do, uh... I hear this is a good one. It's called Lenigan versus the Ants. And there's two different productions. And if I was a real prick, I'd play them back to back. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to play the uh, the original national. Well, this is the thing I'm wondering. There's a national broadcast, right? Which is for every fucking body, right? But then there's the national broadcast, different production. Which is like, ooh. And I kind of want to play that. But I, what I also think that is, is it <laughs> is that it might be um, like the fucking military broadcast. Which is horseshit. So I was just thinking, fuck it. Let's just, and it's like six seconds shorter. What's up with that? Anyway. So, yeah, we're going to play Lennon Len, Len, again. Lennon Len, Len, Len again. Lennon again. L-E-I-N. Lean. I-N-N again. Line, line again, maybe. Line again versus the ants. Lean again versus the ants. How many times can I say that before it just sounds fucking ridiculous? I don't know. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> We're gonna put that on in just one second. Isolated on a remote plantation in the crawling Amazon jungle, and an immense army of ravenous ants is closing in on you, swarming in to eat you alive. A deadly black army from which there is no escape. Escape. Produced and directed by William N. Robeson and carefully contrived to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to the Amazon jungle and to a creeping, crawling terror as Carl Stevenson told it in his gripping story Linogen versus the Ants. first met Lanningen while performing my duty as district commissioner. As my boat neared his plantation landing, I saw him upon the riverbank, regarding me with mild interest. A great hulk of a man with bristling gray hair, bulky nose, and pale eyes. His entire appearance somehow suggested an aging and shabby eagle. He escorted me to the terrace and had a drink brought. I came quickly to the point of my visit and issued my warning. Leiningen puffed placidly at a huge cigar and listened as I told him, unless they alter their course, and there's no reason why they should, they'll reach your plantation in two days at the latest. Uh-huh. Well, it was decent of you paddling all this way just to give me the tip. Tip? Commissioner, even a herd of crocodiles couldn't drive me from this plantation of mine. But 
these aren't creatures you can fight. They're, they're an elemental force, a gigantic catastrophe. Ten miles long, two miles wide, ants, nothing but ants, and each one as big as your thumb, and each of them a fiend from hell. Unless you clear out at once, there'll be nothing left of you but a skeleton picked as clean as your own plantation will be. I'm not getting out. But you can't fight. Yes, the... I can. I've got the best weapon there is, Commissioner. Intelligence. But can't I make you understand the hideous... I think it is you who do not understand. In the three years I've been here, I've met and defeated more than one catastrophe. Flood, drought, the plague. Events which caused many of my neighbors to flee for their lives. No, Commissioner, all my life I have lived with one creed. The human brain needs only to become fully aware of its powers to conquer even the elements. Leinenchen, your obstinacy is endangering not only your own life, but the lives of your workers and their families. You don't know these ants. I tell you, you don't know these ants. But Leinenchen merely sat there puffing at his cigar and regarding me with a smug grin. And I knew it was hopeless. As I boarded my launch and cast off, I realized I'd never met a man like that. And I could not I help, help wondering, wondering what about the strange look in the commissioner's eyes as he boarded his launch and cast off. Undoubtedly, he thought me insane. <laughs> well, he would not have been the first to think so. But I, Leinengen, knew my own powers. I was sure of myself. I knew that intelligence directed aright always makes man the master of his fate. That night I called my Indian workers together in front of the plantation house. I saw their faces go ashen with terror as I told them that the ants were coming. Watched them as they milled around, muttering. I said nothing more to them. Finally, one of the men stepped forward. Blas, the foreman. Patron. We have worked hard here for these three years. Uh, all of us. We have built the finest plantation in this district. We all share in it. It has been a home for all of us and our families. Now the ants come. So? Uh, those ditches we dug last year, the pipe we put in the ground, that was for the ants? Yes, that was for the ants. If we moved our families across the river, the ants could not reach them? Yes, that's right. And you? Well, the ants are mighty. We know what they can do. All of us think that you are mighty. Patron, we will stay with you and fight against the ants. I knew that the men would give me that answer. I counted on it. I thought of the commissioner and wondered what he would say in such unquestioning confidence. Would he still think I was insane? All that night, or had he dismissed me out of my mind? One man who calmly evaluated his chances against a deadly menace, coolly decided he could win and was willing to stake his life on it, to risk a horrible death for it. It was terrifying, and yet it was fascinating. The next morning, I sent for my assistant. Together, we went to the huge map of the district which hung from a wall of my office and checked the last reported position of the ants. Last night, they had reached here, about 70 miles above this fork in the river. Traveling southeast? Uh, yes. Directly toward Leinenshaw. Toward uh, whom, sir? That 
plantation at the bend in the river belongs to a man named Leinenchen. When would you say the ants will reach there? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I imagine about uh, tomorrow noon. Tomorrow noon, still time. Uh, still uh, time? Uh, what do you mean, sir? Why, why nothing. But what did I mean? Still time for what? For Leinenchen to flee or still time for me to... Even as I rejected the thought with horror, I knew that the fascination of that man was more than I could resist. That Leinenchen's fight was drawing me back toward that plantation and death. I knew now past all doubt that I was going back. I had to. It was 10 o'clock in the morning when I rounded the bend and saw Lanningen's plantation before me. I put in at the dock and tied up the launch. Then I saw him standing on the bank above me, arms folded, stubby cigar in his mouth, and that same smug grin on his face. I made my way up to him. Ah, back with another warning, Commissioner? No. Back to stay a while? Yes. <laughs> You don't seem surprised. No, I'm not. You expected me? I thought you'd be back. Yeah, come along. We'll get some horses. You'll want to ride around the plantation, take a look at the defenses I've rigged up. Yes, I'll want to see the defenses. And the ants. We'll be getting a glimpse of them before long, I should think. Yes, the ants. The defenses Leinengen had devised were quite impressive. Surrounding three sides of the plantation like a huge horseshoe was a ditch, 12 feet wide. The ends of this horseshoe-shaped ditch ran into the river which formed the fourth side of the plantation. At the upriver entrance to the ditch, Leinengen had constructed a dam by which the river water could be diverted into the ditch. A large hand wheel controlled the floodgate of the dam and apparently Leinengen had ordered it open immediately after my arrival. Whereas we now approached the ditch and rode along it, I could see that it was nearly full. Ah, how do you like my first line of defense, Commissioner? It's reassuring, like a moat around a castle. <laughs> Unless the ants know how to build rafts, they won't reach the plantation. But this is only the outer moat. There's a better one than this. Now, come along. We'll go up to the high ground where the buildings are. I can get a view from there. Leinenchen. Huh? I didn't see any women or children around the plantation or any animals. Yes, that's right. Moved them across the river. Then even you think there is danger. Not because of danger, Commissioner. Matter of efficiency. Efficiency? Yes, cuts down on the efficiency of the men if they're worried about their families. Critical situations only become crises when oxen and women get excited. I see. Ah, here we are. Yeah, see the ditch? It's much smaller than the others. Yes, you've noticed how all the buildings are on this piece of high ground. The inner ditch surrounds them, and it's lined with concrete. But even filled with water, this is no barrier. It's not big enough. Why, if the ants get this far, they'll... They'll get no farther. This ditch wasn't built for water, Commissioner. You see the pipes leading into it? See those storage tanks on the hill? Petrol. We can throw up a wall of flame. Care a bit they won't like that? I hope you're right. Lanigan, look. Over at the edge of the jungle, all those animals. Yes. Running like the wind. Everything from jaguars to monkeys. Good heavens. Remember, they don't have any ditches. But 
can they escape? Now, they'll be all right as long as they don't get caught between the river and the ants. They can outrun the crawlers. But if they get trapped, it's either the ants or the crocodiles. Ah, look, look. Up there over the horizon. There are your ants. Look at them. was a sight I will never forget. Over the range of hills, as far as I could see, crept a darkening hem, ever longer and broader until the shadows spread across the entire slope, then downward, downward, uncannily swift, and all the green herbage on the entire slope was being mowed as by a giant sickle, leaving only the vast moving shadow extending, deepening, and always moving nearer. Yeah, they're a hideous lot. Line engine, we can't last against that. Look at them. Why, they will fill your ditches with their corpses and still have enough to destroy every one of us. We've got to run. Well, I... I... No, they haven't gotten to us yet, and they never will. The hostile army was approaching in perfect formation. No human battalions, however well-drilled, could ever hope to rival the precision of that advance. Along a front that moved forward as uniformly as a straight line, the ants drew nearer and nearer to the water ditch. As they approached, two outlying wings of the army detached themselves from the main body and started marching along the sides of the ditch, no doubt expecting at some point to find a crossing. And during this hour-long flanking movement, the main army remained still. Across the scant 12 feet of ditch, I stared at them, and they stared back at me. Solid mass, every one as big as my thumb with reddish-black body and long legs. Suddenly, a sound so unearthly as to freeze our blood jerked our heads in the direction of the jungle on the far side of the ditch. Coming toward the ditch at a stumbling gallop was a singular being, a writhing animal-like blackened statue with a shapeless head and four quivering feet. It was a stag covered over and over with ants. Lanningen threw up his rifle, and the stag fell lifeless to the ground, its agonies at an end. Horrified as I was, my curiosity impelled me to glance at my watch. I had to know how long the ants would take. six long minutes, only the white polished bones of the stag remained. Now I could see a change in Lanningen. Gone was the sporting zest of the novel contest. In its place was a cold, violent purpose. He had to beat the ants because he now knew how long it would take them once they got to us. Around four in the afternoon, the ant scouts, having found no crossing, there was a stirring among the main army. And then an immense flood of ants about a hundred yards in width commenced pouring in a glimmering black cataract down the flower slope of the ditch. Thousands drowned instantly, but the rest began using the bodies as bridges. Lanagan immediately swung into action. The dam, open the floodgate a little more. We've got to get the water in the ditch moving faster. Si, senor. Oh, look at them drown. The but they keep coming. 
Even though the current carries many of them away, they're advancing. Well, we'll fix them. What? Yes, senor. How about those shovels and petrol sprinklers? You pass them out to the men? Yes, sir. It has been done. Then get all hands here in a hurry. This looks like the spot for action. Commissioner. Yes? Beginning to see what I was talking about? What do you mean? About intelligence being more than a match for anything it tackles. Take the ants. They've got no intelligence. If they had, they'd have attacked along the whole length of the ditch instead of a narrow front like this. They'd have been across by now. <laughs> Too bad I'm not running their campaign for them. You can joke about it like that with ants halfway across the All right, men. Busy with the shovels now. Dump some sand and quads on them. See how they like that. You with the petrol sprinklers. Stop popping. Uh-huh. <laughs> they don't like it, Commissioner. I don't like it a bit. Look at them. Yes, but look at the ones on the far side of the ditch. Whole clumps of them rolling into the water. The rest are using them for bridges. Yeah, smarter than I thought. And they're widening their front, too. Some of them are getting across. Uh, grab a shovel, then, Commissioner. Make them regret it. <laughs> What's the matter? They call up my shovel, Senor. Let on my eyes. petrol idiot. Dash your hands on the petrol. Don't stop now. The rest of you. Club them. Club them. We cannot hold it back, Senor. We must run. Keep at it. Keep at it. Don't stop now. Uh-huh. Oh, the water's moving faster. And you got the floodgates open. Yes. They can't hold their own against the current now. Uh, look at them, Commissioner. The water's carrying them away. We beat them. We've won out. It was true, Leiningen had won. At least the opening round. The floodgates were left open to forestall any night crossing. But when dawn came, the dark blanket was still there, motionless across the ditch. Then we notice a feverish activity on the other side of the plantation. Here a grove of tamarind trees lined the far end of the ditch, and every tree swarmed with the crawling insects. But instead of eating the leaves, they were merely gnawing through the stems so that a thick green shower fell steadily to the ground. Well, it looks as if it's feeding time for our friends, eh? Blas. Senor. Have all the petrol pumps brought here. Get everyone over here except the lookouts on the other side. Then pass out the shovels. Uh, si, senor. Going to deprive them of a meal? A meal? Aren't they cutting down the leaves for food? No, I wish they were. Looks like I underestimated them when I said they didn't have intelligence. What do you mean? I said if they wanted to get across, they'd have to have rafts. And that's just what they've got. Those leaves are their rafts. Even as he spoke, the leaves went tumbling down the far bank by the thousands. The current drew them away from the bank, and each leaf carried several ants. Don't worry, as long as you can keep spraying them and shoveling dirt on their rafts, they can't land. But there will be too many. It's true. Look, more leaves in the ditch all the time. Why, they'll have a solid carpet to walk across in a minute. Uh, not so fast, Commissioner. I've still got a trick up my sleeve for them. The water! The ditch is drying up! Yes, yes, of course it's drying up. That's the plan. Those are the orders I sent to the dam. Are you mad? As soon as it's empty, what's to prevent the... Look, the water's way down. It's almost dry. They'll be able to come across the bottom. They'll not make it. The man at the dam will have opened the gates by now. To flood the ants? Right. But what a chance to take. If anything should happen... <laughs> ah, here it comes. Here comes the water. Yes, we'll give the crawlers a ditch to ride in. Right out to the river. There. <laughs> Look at them go.
Heimingen's tactics were successful at first. The violent flow of water at the original depth raced through the ditch, overwhelming leaves and ants and sweeping them along. Three times the ditch was emptied, three times the ants raced across its bottom, and three times the rushing water arriving just in time carried them away. But the fourth time, as the water lowered nearly to the bottom of the ditch, we waited in vain for the rushing waters, and then... What's the matter? What's gone wrong at the dam? Just as the man at the dam lowered the water almost to the bottom, the ants attacked. Before he could open the floodgate, he was almost surrounded. He ran. The ants kept coming. They are across the ditch. Lyminson stood motionless, absorbing the news of his defeat without a word. Then he raised his pistol and fired three shots into the air. The prearranged signal for all the men to retreat instantly to the second line of defense. The concrete ditches more than a mile from the point of the invasion. Soon after we arrived there, the natives commenced straggling in silently. Lyningen waited until all of them had gathered, then he spoke to them. Well, lads, we won the first round and lost the second, but we'll smash the crawlers yet. Anyone who thinks otherwise can draw his pay and push off. There are rafts enough on the river and plenty of time still to reach them. You stay then. Good. Thank you, lads. And you, Commissioner? I... I can't persuade you to give up the fight? You cannot. Then I stay, too. Yeah. I knew you would. Senor! Senor! If you are the answer, read the ditch. They are trying to get across? No, senor. I didn't think they would. There's plenty of food out there for them. My fields and orchards, the work of three years. Ought to last them until morning, anyway. Yes, we were safe for that night. But the next morning, the black swarm was solid around us and their shock troops were hard at work. They were dropping shreds of bark and twigs and leaves into the petrol-filled ditches, forming a floating bridge across the surface of the liquid. Leiningen stood silently watching this operation and I could see a grudging admiration in his face. Then after several hours, the attack came. the ditch they poured millions of them and across the bridge of twigs rapidly approaching the inner side. Lanagan sat motionless watching them. Watching them. Lanagan, for the love of God, don't sit there like a statue. They'll be on us in a moment. Let them fill the ditch first. Ah. Now. All right. Everyone back. Blas. Hand me the torch. Now we'll see how our friends like a little heat. From the ditch shot into the air, devouring ants by the millions. It was some time before the petrol burned down to the bed of the ditch, but when it did, the devils came back for more. Again, Lanigan fired the ditch to destroy them, and still again they came on, but at each successive firing, the task of the ants grew easier because of the film of ash which now covered the petrol. And as they returned to the assault time after time, a slow, sickening horror crept into my mind. I looked quickly at Lanigan, then at the petrol tanks. He read my gaze and nodded slowly. That's right, Commissioner. We could hold them off forever if our supply of petrol was unlimited. But it isn't. We've got enough to fill the ditch once more. Lanagan, isn't there any way, any way at all? We've got to do something I we can... I know, can't... I know. There must be a way. There must be. Yes. Yes. What is it? We'll flood the whole plantation. Flood? But how? The river's higher than any point except this high ground we're on now. 
If the river was dammed all the way, it'd overflow that stone breakwater and flood the whole plantation. We've got to close the floodgate at the dam. That'll do it. You're mad. The dam is more than a mile away, more than a mile away. Lads, listen to me. Listen, lads. I'm proud of you. Now, there's still a chance. By shutting the floodgates and the dam and flooding the whole plantation from the river. The moment I'm over the ditch, set fire to it. That'll allow time for the flood to wash away the ants. Then all you'll have to do is wait for me. It's impossible. You can't get to the dam, let alone back. That's why you're wrong, Commissioner. I'll get there, and I'll get back. Take care of things while I'm gone, huh? I watched him as he calmly pulled on high leather boots, drew gauntlets over his hand and stuffed the spaces between breeches and boots, gauntlets and arms, with petrol-soaked rags. He shielded his eyes with close-fitting mosquito goggles and plugged his nostrils and ears with cotton. Then the natives drenched his clothes with petrol. Blas, who acted as doctor to the men, smeared a salve over him, and finally Lanningen was ready. As he stood calmly surveying... ready for the run, I realized that this is as it should be. I, Linogen, would meet the ants and defeat them, or be defeated by them. <laughs> Linogen versus the ants. Yes, it was right that it should be like this. But now there was no more time for thought, only action. I took a deep breath and then bounded across the ditch and among the ants. I ran... I ran in long, equal strides with one thought, one sensation in my being. I must get through. I dodged the trees and shrubs. Except for the split seconds my soles touched the ground, the ants would have no opportunity to alight on me. I ran on. I was halfway to the dam before I felt ants under my clothes and a few on my face. I struck under them mechanically, scarcely conscious of their bites. And the dam drew toward me slowly. And the distance grew less, less... Finally, only a hundred yards away. Fifty. Then I was there. I gripped the ant-covered wheel, but... <laughs> oddly, had I seized it when a horde of ants flowed over my hands and arms. I strained, and slowly the wheel turned. And turned more. The floodgate was swinging slowly shut. Then it was shut. And the water was rising rising behind the breakwater. Closer to the top. Closer. And then it was spilling over. Flooding of the plantation had begun. I let go of the wheel and started back through the ants. I was coated from head to foot with the fiends. Tongues of fire stabbed at me as they bit into my flesh. I almost lost my head with the pain as I ran, knocking ants from my body, brushing them from my bloody face. And then one bit me just below the rim of my goggles. I managed to tear him away. But the agony of the bite and its venom drilled into the eye nerves. I saw now through circles of fire into a milky mist. I was almost blinded. But I knew that if I tripped and fell... I ran on, my heart pounding as if it would burst. Blood roaring in my ears, a giant's fist battering my lungs. And then I could see dimly that wall of flame at the ditch, but it was too far away. I could not last half that distance. I stumbled and fell. Felt myself being swarmed over, devoured. Tried to rise. A great weight. And then suddenly the vision of the half-devoured stag in my brain. Six minutes, then nothing but bones. 
couldn't let that happen to me. I couldn't die like that. To my feet. To my feet. Drag myself forward. Draw the flame. The ditch. The ring of flame. Closer now. Only a little closer. It seemed we had waited for hours when all at once through the blazing ring around us an apparition hurtled and fell full length on the ground. It was Linengen, alive with ants, unconscious, with glazing eyes and lacerated face. We rushed to him, stripped off his clothes and tore at the ants that covered him. His body seemed almost one open wound. In one place, I could see a white bone. Later, as the curtain of flame lowered, I looked out where the blanket of ants had been and saw only a vast expanse of water, covering the entire plantation and working its way to within a few feet of the concrete ditch. The ants were gone, drowned, and Leiningen had won. He lay on his bed, his body swathed from head to foot with bandages, but alive and still in command. Everything in order? Everything's in order. I told you I'd come back. Uh-huh. Even if I am a bit streamlined. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and tonight brought you Leinengen vs. the Ants by Carl Stevenson. Adapted for radio by Robert Reif, with William Conrad as Leinengen and Lou Merrill as the commissioner. Music was conceived and conducted by Cy Fuhr. Next week... You are groping through a dark alleyway in the French Quarter of New Orleans, with terror driving you on. And always before your eyes is the malevolent stare of a voodoo man, striking you with a deadly curse from which you must escape. Next week, we escape with William Irish's eerie story of a voodoo-haunted band leader, Papa Benjamin. Good night, then, until this same time next week, when we again offer you Escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. There you go. <laughs> it's so funny when you like hear a word like 
line again or whatever. Like when you, when I finally hear the goddamn word right, I do the same noise. I think a lot of people make <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that's such a weird fucking noise. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, this is so funny. I was sitting around here trying to clean up a bit. And um, I saw on the floor this big, like, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, eight by six type piece of paper, right? And it was just this white piece of paper. And on the back it said, Later, doll helping save lives 2012 and i was like well what the fuck is this so i kicked it over and it's my goddamn neck brace like i guess every every package that they have of these comes with a goddamn instruction book <laughs> it's called i was in the <clears throat> stiff neck select so there you go that kind of sounds like a police song don't it <laughs> stiff neck select with that fake fucking accent he does oh why am i playing the police i guess that's a good question because uh, I used to listen to him when I was, like, an early teenager in my, like, 10 to 12, 15 years and shit. It was a huge fan. Like, I used to have their box set, Message in a Bottle. And, like, to, to this day, really, for my money, their best shit is still their uh, very, very, very early stuff. Like, anything you start, when you start getting into shit like King of Pain, I'm out. Even, uh, what's that third one? Oh, what's that fucking one? Oh, God, not spirits in the dark, but I can probably look it right here on the fucking CD, Georgia. But it's so funny because, like, it comes with instruction manual. Like, yo, bruh, and it's in, like, four different languages. You would think that the ambulance guy would at least know, <laughs> you know, where, um, uh, how to use a goddamn neck brace. But it seems it's not a thing. So, I have, like, a full instruction manual now, you know, because I will be taking that with me with my fucking medical bills, which, by the way, is a nice thing when you're not, when you're fucking broke like me, like, permanently broke. <laughs> it's kind of nice to know, well, there's another fucking thing that won't get paid. <laughs> but um, one nice thing is living in um, Northern California, I am on, like, the Healthy San Francisco plan. And they will take care of the stupid ambulance and all this other bullshit. Another thing I was thinking when I was sitting here, like, I fell out of my favorite chair, I think. Because I wasn't, and I was thinking, well, if I was sitting in my least favorite chair, this kind of one that I sit in when I do this show solo, like, I think I would have, I might have, like, went home. Because, like, this is more like a, like an office chair or some shit, you know what I mean? Where, like, if I just kind of fell back... Like, the chair might have rolled and shit, but I think I found where I landed, because I think there's still a couple of spots of, like, dried, like, been cleaned, but dried blood on the ground <laughs> from my eye, like, and, um, it's basically where my, where my favorite chair is sitting right now, but anyway, that's neither here nor there, nobody gives a shit about that, what I was thinking was the police record, I'm up to, I can get to regatta to blank, fucking... God, when they start doing this horseshit, Zenyatta, Mondara, and Ghost in the Machine, oof, fucking synchronicity stinks, but, you know, 
It's got a couple of okay songs on it. Like, the hits are really good. That's about it. But, you know. Anyway, they had the singles collection here, and I never really, i never seen it down here, and it's, it's an okay fucking collection. And that's fucking generous, George. Okay, it's 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 got the hits. And um, if you like the hits, then you'll be fine. And if you don't, you're like me and just constantly rotating back to four fucking songs <laughs> to just play over the... Um, to play over the uh, the interstitials or whatever the fuck. Anyway, this is MuniRadio.fm. Uh, this is uh, G Money from G Money and Wolstein. I was thinking that this might be the famous island that I think it is. And if it is, this would be really cool. And if not, who gives a shit? We got time for something else. All right, here we go. This is the island. If... Um you don't know, now you know. You, finding life rather dull, dreaming again of exotic places, wishing you were somewhere else, we offer you Escape. Escape with us now to the Western Pacific and the story of a man trapped by the terror of another man's insane dream, as Millard Kaufman tells it in his exciting story, The Island. The problem was, what could I do with Robert Lacey? You happen to have a dream book handy with all the charts and categories precisely arranged in alphabetical order? In it, you'll find a dream for loneliness about girls in soft summery dresses. You'll find a dream for hunger, a two-pound steak perhaps smothered all over with lamb chops. There are dreams for the traveler of a hometown far away and long ago. But find me a dream of a place you've never seen, a place that doesn't exist. Awake or asleep, that was Lacey's dream. Corporal Robert Lacey, 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines. A harmless enough dream, I guess, and not to be taken seriously. Or so it seemed until that night when Lacey's dream became my problem. May it was, 1945 in a little wood on Okinawa. Well. Okay, Deborah, I guess we're safe. Where are we anyhow? Oh, a couple of three miles behind the Jap lines. So how safe is that? <laughs> you worry too much, pal. Even for a guy on his first patrol. I've been thinking of it as my last. Nah. Relax like me. You'll live forever. Whoa. What's that? Yeah, it's nothing. Just a screaming Mimi. Got some kind of a tail adjustment that cuts the wind, sort of screams. 
Nips used it to scare us. Well, he sure succeeded. <laughs> you scare easy, don't you, pal? Yeah, sure. I'm a pushover for that Shrekleykite stuff. Shrekleykite? Well, what kind of jive's that? Means terror. Fright force. The Germans got a whole arsenal of terror weapons. Yeah, well, the Japs got a few themselves. Yeah, what do you say we sack in, huh? Here? That's as good as the next place. What a lash-up. Three miles behind Jap lines. Got no more chance of getting back tonight and crawling through the hole in a lifesaver. Get knocked off if we try. You take a first watch. I'm going to sack in. You going to sleep? Oh, my. Oh, maybe I'll just sit down here and do a little dream for a while. You sure picking a fine time for it. Ain't I ever tell you about my island? Yeah, you told me. Well, there's this island, see? You must have told me 50, 60 times in the past month. Well, I'm going to tell you again. This island, it's a sort of a special place. There's no rain, and no jungle rot, no war. Just a quiet, cozy spot where a man can lay down under a banyan tree and live off the fat of the land. Nah, there is no such place. On this island, a man would never go hungry. All you gotta do is fish a little bit with the natives, and they'll all be big men, and they'll be friendly, not like the nips. And all the, all the women will be beautiful. You read too many comic books. Yeah, that's where I'm fixing to go as soon as I find it. Never gonna go back stateside. Just gonna lay down under that little old banyan tree. I let him rave on. What else could I do? Argue with him? Maybe fish a little? There I was, three miles deep in enemy lines with a strange hill. Sir. His eyes narrowed in a thousand-yard stare. His rush of words like a nervous twitch. He raved on about a place that don't exist. With big men and beautiful women. Real pretty. Different, you know? Like nothing you ever saw. I found myself listening sort of hypnotized. And I learned something about Corporal Lacey and what combat weariness well, means. He'd forage too long among the rotten, bomb-scarred I mean? pebbles of the Pacific. The He'd seen too much death, too many crack-ups. He himself was half-cracked and slightly dead, barely held together by the taut and twisted wires of his dream. So what could I do, argue with him? I'm gonna eat roast wild pig and pineapple and bat the breeze with the people. And there's gonna be cattle on the island, too. I'm gonna find me a beautiful girl, and I'm... Tabari. Yeah. Yeah, I'm listening. Look, Tabari. Out there. Coming toward us. No, no, over there. About two o'clock, you see it? A bunch of them. No, it's not a bunch, it's just four. Three men and a woman. They're heading right for us. Hey, put down that rifle. What's the matter, you flip or something? They're not Japs. Men are too big. It's funny, though. Woman with him. Maybe his eyes were better than mine, but how could I trust that brain of his, all fested with dreaming? But I tell you, they're not Japs. And that woman is beautiful. If I had only listened to Lacey, then if I had only known. But Japs are no Japs, I was taking no chances. I raised my rifle and... Knock it off, you jerk. You hit the woman. Lacey. Where are you going? I'm going to see if she's hurt bad. Now, come on. Don't go, Lacey. You know the Japs. It might be a trick. Uh, don't worry about me. <coughs> Will you let go of my arm? You get yourself killed. Not me, Tabori. I'll live to spit in your grave. Now, let go of me. Okay, I hope you know what you're doing. I just don't want to get involved in your cockamamie dreams. Dreams? 
It's no dream, Tabori. You'll find out. So where is she? That's funny. Must be around here somewhere. Maybe she... What's that? She's coming from over there. Come on. Now, here she is. She's scared of us. It's all right, lady. Go away. Go away. No, we ain't gonna hurt you, lady. I hurt you. I hurt you. Maybe she's on. Nah, she's bluffing. Break out your first aid kit. Here. That's a boy. Now, look, lady. Let me fix your arm, huh? See? We got bandages and adhesive tape and penicillin. She don't get what you're talking about. She gets the idea, all right. That's right, lady. Now, this is not gonna hurt you a little bit. And we put it around there. You just got nicked a little, that's all. Just a flesh wound. She trusts you. Yeah. She trusts me more than you do. Didn't I tell you she was beautiful? You told me a lot of things. How about the men she was with, the big men? She was with them and they weren't Japs. Not Japs in a pig's eye, not Japs. No. No, they're not Japs. Yeah, there, you see? And what were they? They were... How you say... My people. Who are you? What are you? What's your name? Name... Taki. I am... I know can't say in English, but... But please go away. Please, you... You go away fast. Uh, now you scared her again. No, it's going to be all right, Taki. Everything's going to be all right. You you just come on with us. No, now, I, huh? I, I go home. Must go home. So go home. Scram. Lose yourself. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> let her alone, Lacey. Hey, you keep out of this. Then let her go. Let her get back to her rice paddies. You still don't catch Tabori. She ain't from Okinawa. She's from that island I was telling you about. Look, Lacey, I don't care if she's from Mars. I'm not from Mars. No kidding. Also, I'm not from Okinawa. What? I'm from Yagachi. Yagachi Shima. Shima, there you see. Shima means an island. Yes, island. Then what are you doing here? I do not know. The Japanese brought us in canoe. She's crazier than you are. Whoever heard Shut up. Taki, where is your island? Where is Yagachi? In east, in China Sea, yeah? a half day from Okinawa by canoe. Canoe. What's it like, Taki? What's your island like? Never mind the island. Let's find a canoe. Don't you see, Lacey? With the canoe, we can get back to our lines by water. Yeah, I think maybe you got something there. Taki. Taki, can you find the canoe? I think I can. Then let's go. She led us on through the wood. A lopsided moon came up and its ray filtered through the clouds and down through the jagged trees. In the moonlight, she was like one of those porcelain figurines, delicate, with a peculiar tint to her skin, unlike anything I'd ever seen before. The shade of waxed ivory, ancient ivory. Her hair was long and black and drawn tight over her head. She was straight and slim and she walked with dignity. She was beautiful, as beautiful as a dream. 
Lacey's dream. But dreams don't come true, not like this. Yet here she was, just the way he described her. And the three men in the island. I couldn't figure it out. And just then I hadn't the time because... Lacey, listen to that. What? Well, come on. Taki led us down a slope to the water. There were canoes. And leaning against the prow were two sentries. They were safe, they thought. Three miles behind their lines, snug as two bugs in a mosquito net. They were so safe, they didn't know what hit them. <laughs> Get in the canoe. Okay, you push us off to Burry. Yeah. Come on. That's a boy. All right, you take a bow. Sit down, Taki. Where to? Straight out in the channel. You know what I think, Tabori? I think we're going to make it. Oh. Okay, Tabori. We can take it easy now. I'm... I'm not taking it easy until we cross our perimeter. Yeah? Well, just how are you going to tell at night? With your Zippo lighter? Oh, lay off. Maybe you think I got neon signs, huh? Well, maybe we'll see a landmark or something. Yeah. Well, the trouble is distances can fool you at night. We're liable to paddle into a platoon of nips. What'll we do, Lacey? Yeah, we'll stand by till morning and head for our convoy. We'll ride ashore in style in an LST. I don't know. I think it'd be better Well, to... look, whatever you think, you're outvoted. You've outvoted two stripes to one. Pulling rank, Corporal? Why not, knucklehead? This ship's got one skipper, and I'm it. You are, If like... I want any stuff out of you, I'll knock it out of you. I'm warning you, don't follow up this detail. So what was I gonna do? Argue with him? Start a private firefight in the middle of the China Sea? I was getting a little combat weary myself. But Lacey, he was all charged up as though his crazy dream had come true. Lying on the narrow deck of the canoe, I could hear Lacey. The more I heard, the more confused I got. And it's not like the other islands, is it, Tucky? It's different, Yogachi. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could tell you how. Oh, I know, I know. It's pretty, huh? It's... Very pretty, but... Is the fishing good? It's good. And we have pigs. Yeah? Cows? Good cows. Oh, I knew it, I knew it. Cows and pigs. And Lacey getting all hopped up about them. That's the last thing I remembered. I guess I fell asleep. And then suddenly it was daylight and... Tabori! Uh, hey, look, Tabori. What? Look, over there. What do you see? An island just an island. It's not just an island. That's my island. 
What's so special about it? Well, look at it. Look at it. You see, it's surrounded by mist, just like I said. Tell it to the troops when we get back to Okinawa. Stand by for a ram, Tabori. We ain't going back to Okinawa. Now, wait a minute. I don't want any more trouble out of you. Then don't make any or I'll... Where's... You looking for your rifle? Well, don't bother. Because I got it right here. Now, you get up forward. You're crazy. Move! You know, you're flirting with a purple heart. That's a boy. All right, now lean on that paddle. That's right. We're heading for your gotcha. Escape, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, returns in just a moment. Motorists, the next time you put your foot down on the accelerator, tread easy. Remember that excess speed is the cause of most highway accidents. And pedestrians, the next time you start to cross the street between intersections, stop and think. Crossing between intersections is the most dangerous thing you can do. Whether walking or driving, be careful. The life you save may be your own. And now, back to Escape. canoe scraped the coral beach at Yagachi about four hours later. It was a lovely island with terraced hills and patches of tilled soil checkering the greenery. Well, here we are. Seeing's believing, huh, Tabori? Funny. So close to Okinawa, and this place looks like it never heard a shot fired in anger. Where are your people, Taki? Long way over hills. But you must not come. You go back now. Oh, no, not me. I'm sticking around. How about you, Tabori? You came this far. I'll sweat it out just for the laughs. Yeah, well, you're going to laugh out of the wrong side of your face. What do you mean? Just a figure of speech, Taki. Let's go. So there I was, caught up in Lacey's dream, when all the time I should have taken off at High Port for Okinawa. I should have known better, but I didn't. And what you don't know can hurt you. Plenty. Hey, Look! Look at that cow. You could eat her down to the hooves. <laughs> I tell you, I'm going to live off the fat of the land. The trail snaked upward. Pine trees and casarinas rattled in the sweet, strong wind from the China Sea. Their cones lay along the footpath, and in the fields were raspberry bushes. There were lilies in the sword grass and scarlet flowers. All very nice, I suppose, but I was looking for people. The big men of Lacey's dream. The girls all as lovely as a girl beside us. I was tense with expectancy at each bend in the trail, but Lacey's tensions had vanished. He lost them because he'd found Taki. Robert Lacey. <laughs> oh, Taki. My name's Lacey. Now try it again. Lacey. <laughs> Lacey. <laughs> L, like in, uh, this is a lily? You are a lady? And you're a loco. Tabori, I'm gonna slug you. <laughs> you're so funny, Racy, when you're mad. 
<laughs> oh, you laugh nice, Taki. It is first time in five years. It is first time I have been here. Maybe. Maybe you was waiting for me to make you happy. Like I was waiting for you. What do you mean, Racy? Well, I... I mean... Here. This is for you. Why you give me flower? I love you, Tucky. No. No, you cannot. But why, Tucky? You, you don't know. I, I, I don't know how to say, but you don't know me. Oh, I know you. I've been dreaming about you for two years. I always knew I'd find you. I... I never forget what you say. I'll never let you forget. Oh, Lacey. <laughs> Lacey, honey. L, like in love. They walked on together, the tall Marine and the slim girl with the ivory skin, with a flower in her hand. Now and then she'd look at the flower, and then she'd look at Lacey, and a pained expression clouded her face as though she didn't understand. But I did. The loneliness, the weariness, the refuge in a dream. Very soon now, that dream would burst like a bubble or become reality. I had to find out. Man, what a climb. It'd be easier for you if you give me back my rifle. Now, don't you worry about me. I'll get back. Hey, we got it licked. There's the summit. Yeah. It is highest point on Yogashi. See, down there, far away in Valley. Hey, look. Look at them. They, my people. <laughs> I told you they were big men. How can you tell from this distance? Well, look how broad they are. Funny how they're all in a bunch. Hey, listen. Yeah. Maybe it's a... Sort of a ceremony or something, huh? It is. Maybe it's for us. I, I bet they know we're coming. No. It is for dead. What happened, you suppose? A war? The war not here. It... My people die. Everybody's people die. It's got to happen sooner or later. Yes. Sooner or later. It's like I always say, here today and gone tomorrow. I never heard it so well put. Oh, drop dead. Dad, dry up. Let's go, Tucky. We went down the mountainside, down to a cape that jutted into the Pacific like a gnarled finger of doom. Far away, we saw a village. We headed toward it through the sunless gorge. At the far end was a thatched hut. It looks like it's empty. As any fool could see. You wait here. I, I come back soon with headman. He speak English good. You, uh... You gonna stay here with me, don't worry? No, Lacey. I just want one good look at your big men and beautiful women in their native habitat. Then I'm off for Okinawa. You still want proof, huh? Yeah. 
There's something strange about this place. I want to know what it is. It's not strange. It, it's just different, like I said. You're all fouled up in a dream, Lacey. I'm not sure what it's all about, but I gotta find out. It'll drive me crazy the rest of my life. You mean crazy like me? I didn't say that. Since we left Okinawa, you've been giving me a bad time. It was mutual. Now you call me crazy. I know what I said. I know what you think. And I know what you'll do. Once you get back to Okinawa, you'll tell the MPs I went over the hill. And you'll tell them where I am. And they'll come after me. You are crazy. I'm just crazy enough to make sure you keep your trap shut. You remember, Tabori, I said I'd be around to spit in your grave? Hey, Lacey, stop kidding around with that rifle. I ain't kidding. I'm gonna kill you. No question about it, he wasn't kidding. He slid back the bolt of his rifle and it sprang forward, a cartridge in the chamber. I'm gonna kill you, Tabori. But first you're gonna see I was right. I want to see the expression on that smart aleck face of yours when you admit it. And then I'm gonna kill you. Now get back in that corner. And keep your mouth shut. You, uh, you the head man? I suppose you could call me that. His name, Hiroshi. What can I do for you? Well, I... I, uh... I want to stay here. With... Taki. I'm afraid you can't. Well, I'll work my way, you know that. That is not the point. You cannot... Look, I don't want no arguments out of you. You cannot stay. But why can't I? She is a leper. But she's so beautiful. I know, son. But in three years, five years... Taki? I'm sorry, Taki. So am I. I... I try to tell you, but... I not know how, and and then I I could not, even if I want to. I wanted to, to rest one more hour, one more minute. They stood there facing each other, the tall marine and the girl with the ivory skin with the flowers still in her hand, the flower already beginning to wilt. Goodbye, Resty. Goodbye. Thank you for, for the flower. That's all right. I never forget you. Uh, I won't forget either. It was like a dream come true. For a while it was. Goodbye. Hiroshi, what's this all about? It is quite simple. Two nights ago, the Japanese came to the leper colony. They took more than half my patients to Okinawa, headed toward the American lines. But why? To disrupt your advance. There was no chance of contagion, but... Well, my patients aren't all as lovely as Taki. I see. Shrekless kite. Exactly. A weapon of terror. Tabori? Yeah, Lacey? I... Uh, I guess we better move out, huh? 
Are you ready, pal? Yeah. Long road back to Okinawa. For me, the, the road back is longer than that. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, Escape has brought you The Island by Millard Kaufman, starring Harry Bartell and Bill Conrad with Michael Ann Barrett and Edgar Barrier. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week, Escape with us to the most evil city in the Orient, and the story of a beautiful but unscrupulous woman who ruled it, as Herb Purdom tells it in his exciting tale, Macau. He's coming up next on most of these same CBS stations, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. You want to hear every exciting minute of the fairway matter in which 13 die when one man is marked for murder. It's one of Johnny Dollar's most exciting insurance investigations in which he turns in a masterful expense account as well as masterful deduction. Stay tuned for yours truly, Johnny Dollar, next on most of these same CBS stations. Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where you meet Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons every Thursday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That one's really late in their uh, programming schedule. Go for it, George. Their entire run. That's the word I was looking for. Just saw the very awesome, very cool Journey Roberts. She was down here. She's like one of the best, coolest people in the entire fucking city, certainly. Down here just, just checking in. Super cool. I got to. T She's the first actual person I got to tell about my fucking... Uh, uh, I can't even. I can't even remember the fucking name of it because I want to call it a stroke, but it's not. I just every time I say it, I sound like I'm having a fucking stroke, a goddamn seizure. I've never had one before. Jesus. Yeah, but uh, she's always she's very. She, what I always like about her, she's so cool because like she's fucking real, like to the nines, which means she's also very caring. You know what I mean? She can be very fucking boom, but she can also be very fucking like understanding she's very cool she brought her dog in very nice energy man holy shit that dog brought the energy but um it's cool anyway well as we're winding down here if i'm being honest i got like three minutes left i could fuck around and eat up 13 minutes but i don't want to do that to you nice kindly people so um <clears throat> I thought I'd basically just check it out with, uh, I, there's no fucking way I'm playing any more goddamn police this morning. So I decided to, um, 
hit some cheap trick. And lucky me, one of the nice things about being around Mutiny Radio, if you clean up enough, you'll actually find a little bit of pot. So actually, I have a little bit of pot to go on with, and that's going to be nice because my eye still hurts from hitting the ground. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, so weird. Ugh. I had like a fucking headache all like like I don't think I had a headache going to sleep like that first fucking night, but like all night last night, like and yesterday was just booming. It didn't really start or like all day yesterday really. And then like at night finally when I got to sleep the shit finally got a little better. So that's cool. And um I guess uh boo 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 fuck it. Let's play some cheap trick. Get the fuck out of here. Have a good morning, everybody. Muniradio.fm. Or look at this, Mr. Cool, huh? You gotta turn it on first, fucko. I don't feel like turning it on. Turn it on anyway. But I don't want to. That's a good three-minute fucking song they got. Two minutes. Who gives a fuck? Oh, sure. That's a cool song. All right. Adios, First Contact, yeah, the board that. movie. 
So I had I had a, a action figure mm-hmm. that had buttons on the back, mm-hmm. you know, button of, of Picard, and he would say damage report, engage, captain's log, supplemental, and I would do, and that's the extent of my accent, and I apologize for it wasn't anyone bad. who I would like to like listen a little bit right more. Now, the two people four one five. five. <laughs> um, but I would I would I remember going through the buttons and like clicking it, making like making it a song. Doing that sort of thing. Oh, so nice. I'm saying. So that's what the music. Data, is. data, da- yeah. data was the best. He's he, ah, oh, my heart on that motherfucker. Okay, As Riker, I could throw him away or take him. I don't, I don't give a shit. Like oh. he's the, he's got zero. He's number. S-O-T-E-R-I-C. He's the first, first in command, or uh, I mean, second in command. Make it so number one. Hmm. I told you I wouldn't do that. I apologize. But suffice it to say, <laughs> I have a problem with life, David. I have a problem with life. <laughs> But suffice it to say, uh, uh, Data and and Picard and even that chick, the um, not the doctor chick, because she always wore baggy crap. But Troy, oh, yeah. dude, is a girl named Troy? Oh, fine dude. girl. Oh, she's fine. Son, <laughs> son, dude, Troy, mm, she could goddamn get it. All right, God bless Troy, wherever you're. You know, one of you guys, one of you two people who are. Were there romances on the ships? Yes, ship? of course. Yeah, Riker and Troy, dude. Okay. Maybe that's why I'm not so I'm not so keen on Riker. Oh, that's why you're gonna throw him away. Because he's just no, he's boring as shit. I'm gonna beam he's her just up. Boring. Beam her up. I don't know if it works. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would. I would. Dude, I'm trying to like fit in a joke about torpedoes or something, but I can't. I'm, I don't have the. It's there. Wits. Yeah. Just work it out. Yeah. I'll come up with a, another like euphemism for fucking, and I'll say that. Okay. So, cool, uh, man. Yeah. yeah, in time. Go boldly go where Riker has gone before. Okay. Nice. I'm I'm fine with sloppy seconds with Troy, dude. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. Polyamory. Yeah. You rock into and roll. it? I am a little bit. Mm-hmm. I am a little bit. I, I'm I'm still working on how to get more mature. Really. Different aspects. Oh yes, absolutely. Huh. On paper. Solid. Absolutely. When in actual practice, it's like, all right, all right. You have your down, own place. Calm down, Pete. Yeah, I do. Wait. You're oh, you're just. You're, <laughs> you're adding. To, you're. Wait, I thought we were going on the like sex kick. Now we're talking about my Chinese basement, which actually could be a euphemism for sex shit. Um, yeah, my Chinese, Chinese basement. basement. <laughs> There's something in there. Yeah, I think that. I think that that's actually. <laughs> I guarantee there's like a somewhere in the Castro someone is saying like, "Do you Chinese basement?" Yeah, to, um, yeah. it's where you use chopsticks, right? To auger. No, I th- oh. auger. Oh, like yeah. there's there's this endless joy. This is, this is technically being broadcast at some point, so that means somewhere it's being up there broadcast live. No, I know, but I mean like that means that somewhere up there in space, mm-hmm. this will be a representation at some point. What if this was the only representation of humanity, and this we're talking what they about in? auguring what? a male asshole? That's well, gonna be male. Well, you just no. I said it was like a. Well, that's true. All right, all right, all right. So I'm sexist. Add that to the hand. Um, uh. Uh, but auguring an, an asshole 
with a chopstick or two, two, two chopsticks. Because, you know. Or is it more like, would you probably, would you have it be like, would it be like a leaky basement? Ooh. And, Ooh. and would you eventually, mean like, I mean. use the, eventually, yeah. would you use it in like a, a correct chopstick way? Mm. Oh, these are all things that we can explore. This is what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. Right. If you know, call in. Do you remember the number? Uh, four one five 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 zero zero five five one. Ooh, zero five one one. Zero five. You're the closest that anyone has ever gotten. Well, good for you. See? You're welcome. You you have a good memory. See, see. No. Yeah. I, no. Yeah. What Suffice. side? What 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 is my mother? What is her ethnicity? Uh, oh shit. Uh. I know this. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah, you got this. Uh, I'm supposed to have faith in myself. Hang on. You got this. Hang on, I've got this. It's a, uh, it's a uh, uh, Polish. Boom. Yes. Very nice. Good on you, mate. So we gonna roll with that. I'm very proud of myself. You should be. <sighs> nice little tinkly. <laughs> Did you say a timpani? I said tinkly. I love this song. This is the, actually the sound of Chinese basementing. Yeah, it's very delicate and like inquisitive. There's a tarp on the floor. Yeah, of course. One light with no shade around it. Right. Hanging from a hanging from a. a but not too bottom. high a wattage. No, we don't want to see very much no. when you're Chinese basementing. Yeah. How long have you been in the basement? About two and a half years. Okay. Cute. Yeah, I found a nice little place. Um, again, it's got to be fun. It's got to be totally fun. It's, it's totally fun. It is. Awesome. There's no windows. Sure. Because it's a basement. Right. But I don't care about sun. Who oh. needs the sun? Do you have like a nice poster that says like nah. motivation at the bottom and it's like an eagle? That would be the worst motivational fucking... <laughs> <laughs> that would, it just says motivation. And the, and the under... <laughs> The underwriting is like, why did you buy this poster? <laughs> Waste. The rowing one is what gets me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is that? Teamwork. Probably. Yeah, totally. I'm not up on my 90s wall sconce. Not that guy sconce. did great. Whoever invented that, they did great. Probably. You see him a lot. I don't think he copyrighted. You, you don't know. think so? Probably not. We'll find out. You know who's oh. rich? Who? That guy that invented that long arm dog throwing toy. Yeah, God bless that motherfucker. Yeah, just you don't touch the sweaty, stinky ball. No, Saliva. I kind of do. I kind of do. I don't want to, but you I, like I dogs? just dogs are good people. What about dogs cats? are good fucking people. You like cats? Them? I'm alright with. Yeah. I like cats. You like dogs? But cats are you like just a squealer when you see a nice smooth... Listen, listen. I make some strange noises for sure when I see a dog, but not squealing. No, not squealing. Cats are meh. I like them, but yeah. they don't have any personality. There's not a lot of, and I know people. Oh, maybe. I, I know, and I know there's a lot of people who are like cat, but like fucking dog. Yeah, dog wins absolutely all day, every day. Even the tiny, tiny dogs, the more skittish, like anything could kill me in any moment ones. I love those motherfuckers. Wow. Squeeze their dumb face. Do you have a dog? I don't. I had a was with a girlfriend who had a a chowini. Okay. You ever had it? You ever seen a Chowini? I can imagine it. I love a Chowini. I saw it. What did I see? Man, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. <laughs> that actually is a fantastic idea. We've already gotten the Chowinis. Yeah, once we get to Chowini, you gotta say bye. All right, the racists will be back. We'll be very shortly. Bye.